0: From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report, Ahmed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. At the end of this election cycle, Providence will have a new mayor. Mayor Jorge Alorza's two terms are up, and four Democrats are running to replace him. Who are the candidates, what are the differences between them, and who's likely to win? Our own Globe columnist, Dan McGowan, is here to help us sort it all out after this break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with our very own Dan McGowan to learn more about the candidates for Providence mayor. Thanks for coming in, Dan. Thanks for having me, Ed. A few weeks ago, you moderated a mayoral debate sponsored by the Julie District Association. My first question, is the debate still going on down the hall? That was long.
1: It is. I'm actually taking a break right now to talk to you.
0: (laughs) All of these candidates are Democrats. They all have government experience and they all say they love this city. Can you break down what's different about them? It's a really good question
1: because there isn't a great answer. They're all sort of the same style Democrat. They're all going to be a little left of center on on most issues. They're not going to have particularly significant differences. I'm sure we'll talk about the few, but I do think it comes down to a little bit of style. You're going to have Brett Smiley, who's kind of preaching his experience as a former chief operating officer in the city, worked for Gina Raimondo, that sort of thing. Gonzalo Cuervo's experience a little different, right? He was kind of a back room type of person for both former mayors, Angel Taveras and David Cicilline. You know, and then you've got Councilwoman of LaFortune who's got actually upfront government experience, right? She, she's been on the council for the last couple of years. So she knows kind of what's going on on that front. She's had a lot more kind of front-facing interaction with voters. And then Michael Solomon, a little bit of old school guy, right? He, he's a former council president. He you know has been in city politics his entire life. So he's kind of coming from everything with maybe a little bit of a more historical perspective as opposed to kind of the modern day uh, view of, of government.
0: Let's talk about some of the highlights of the debate. First, the Superman building's been in the headlines. The city just unveiled a plan to partner with developers to put apartments and some commercial space in there. But the deal also involves potentially tens of millions in loans and tax breaks, and not everyone's on board. Here's candidate Gonzalo Cuervo. This is an incredibly generous package, and we all want to see the Superman building developed. It's an iconic building, but it's a building. We want to call it a public-private
1: partnership, But the role of the public is to give the private a ton of money. What are we getting?
0: Did anyone else express misgivings in the debate and who was on board with the plan? It's really
1: interesting. You've already seen since that debate candidates kind of change their views to some degree. Mike Solomon said he wasn't ready to make kind of any public comment on it. But he has since kind of come out in favor of it. Brett Smiley was probably the strongest supporter of it. He's been in, in conversations for years about trying to get that building filled. So, you know, he definitely is trying to kind of come across as the most business-friendly candidate. And Councilman LaFortune, you know, has said she's very open to it. She was, she's kind of on board with it. Maybe the asterisk that she wants to see the city council, make sure it kind of holds the developer accountable as it goes along there.
0: Right across the street from the Superman building is Kennedy Plaza, and there are some plans to move the bus hub down the street. Here's Michael Solomon's reaction to that plan. I think most of the business people in the area agree that it needs to be moved away from Kennedy Plaza. Maybe moving the ice skating rink over to Kennedy Plaza, then taking the property where Kennedy uh, the ice skating rink is and develop it into something else. What did other candidates think about Kennedy Plaza?
1: There does seem to be... General support for at least the concept of moving the bus hub from the plaza down Doran Street, kind of near the Garryheed Courthouse. Right now, you know, as Mike Solomon kind of pointed out, yes, the business owners downtown are really supportive of this. But the business owners mostly don't ride the bus and there is some level of concern there. But I think you have probably more momentum toward moving the bus hub, uh, both from state leaders and from kind of all the mayoral candidates uh, than we've seen really in a, in a lot of years.
0: You've spent many years covering the problems of the Providence public school system. What stood out to you about the candidates and what they said about education?
1: How little they said, hmm. quite frankly, I, I think... When you're trying to be the mayor of the city, now, in fairness, the, the state controls the school system, but whoever's the next mayor will eventually get the school system back from the state. And you hear a lot of hyperbole, a lot of feel-good talk about we need to raise the standards and we need to do you know, those sort of things. You don't hear a lot of concrete examples of actually how to get it done. That's something that I think voters should be asking on the doors because that's the number one issue, I think, facing the city. And right now you have a lot of people who are well-intentioned. All four of these candidates want to do the right thing. They just don't know what the right thing is.
0: Did any of the candidates want to end the state takeover of the Providence public schools?
1: A handful of the candidates have all at different times expressed concern with the takeover. I think Brett Smiley kind of said he supported the takeover, but you haven't made a lot of progress yet. They were all kind of hesitant to say, yes, we need to immediately give the schools back to the city. And the reason why is they've all talked to Mayor Lorza. It's hard. It's harder than it looks. And so they know that. So they kind of are almost hedging their bets in some ways.
0: You asked about whether the candidates support having police officers known as student resource officers in schools, and they staked out some different stances. Here's what Neva LaFortune had to say.
1: I have my graduate degree in urban education policy. My thesis was focused on SROs, and what the data is showing us is that it doesn't change the culture in schools. What does improve student achievement is social-emotional support.
0: Did any other candidates weigh in on the SROs? And what did they say about crime, which is going up in Providence?
1: Yeah, the... SRO situation, these are the school resource officers in actual classrooms, there's a real divide. This is one of the issues that I think is pretty significant difference among the candidates. Nerva LaFortune, I thought, was probably most eloquent talking about this issue during the debate. She's pretty clear. We need more counselors. The phrase is counselors, not cops. Then you hear from people like Gonzalo Cuervo and Brett Smiley who kind of say, hey, wait a minute, we hear from teachers and others who think, yeah, you probably do need some public safety president at these schools. You know, the broader issue of crime, it's another, it's, it's almost like education. It's very complicated. They're all Democrats, right? So nobody wants to be over pro-law enforcement. They don't want to, you know, overstate it, but they are hearing from people when they knock on the doors that are saying, wait a minute, you know, we there were more murders last year in Providence than there has been in a long time. Uh, you are seeing kind of petty crimes really escalate. Uh, you're seeing high-profile crimes, people getting pulled out of cars and things like that. Those examples that really scare lots of residents. We're not talking about Providence crime from 1991, right? The, the city is still... Much safer than it was twenty or thirty years ago, but you know worse off maybe than it was fifteen years ago.
0: I noticed that Brett Smiley keeps repeating one line in his pitch to become mayor let 's take a listen. There are some really big challenges coming our way in the city in the years to come. We need a leader who is ready to lead and who is not learning on the job. What point is he trying to make there because don 't the other candidates have experience in city government it 's funny you 're exactly right, and he says this everywhere
1: he goes. I think the difference is when you've had the high-level jobs, both at the state level as the director of administration and chief of staff to former Governor Raimondo, and then really as the deputy mayor to Jorge Lorza, he does stand out as somebody who has actually sat in a room and negotiated, you know, a union contract. He has been in charge of hundreds and even thousands of employees, where the rest of the candidates have deep experience in government, but not that level of experience. So I think he's trying to stand out as I'm the true administrator of the bunch. The rest, you know, have their own experiences but not like mine. Yeah,
0: there's no newcomers. There's no political newcomers. Yeah, you're not race. getting
1: a fresh face as the mayor of Providence uh, no matter who who wins.
0: Oh, so let's talk about the most important question of the night. Let's hear it.
1: Mr. Smiley, where's the best place to get a lemon ice in Providence?
0: <laughs> Mr. Lemon in the North End? His
1: little fortune? Uh, a lemon ice, of course, Mr. Lemon. <laughs> Mr. Lemon it is.
0: Mr. Solomon. I can't answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) No answer. No answer on that one. How do you not answer the Mr. Lemon question? You know, the
1: only thing that I could think of is that Mike Solomon is a restaurant owner in the city, and maybe he's conflicted out. He likes all the ice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, You're going to have to push him to answer that before election day. Stepping away from the debate, let's talk about fundraising. It appears Brett Smiley has the edge with more than $535,000 Five hundred and thirty five thousand in his campaign account at last count Solomon had three hundred thousand, Cuervo two sixteen and LaFortune Fortune hundred and seventy one thousand. How much of a factor will the money be? It's always
1: better to have more than to have less, obviously. I do think they're all going to have enough money to compete in this race. And remember, running for mayor of Providence, you're, you're essentially fighting for about 10 or 11,000 votes. It's probably twenty four, twenty five thousand 25,000 vote total in the race. So the winner will probably come away with that. That's not that hard to achieve. It's not something that you're, you know, you need to be on air with big commercials all the time. This is really about kind of paying volunteers, ground game politics. And so I do think they're all going to have enough money, but Brett Smiley clearly has an edge on everybody. And the more money you have, the more people you can pay.
0: On the other hand, Smiley's faced controversy over his campaign fundraising, right? I mean, last year he agreed to pay an ethics fine for soliciting contributions from state vendors. Do you think that'll put a cloud over his campaign?
1: absolutely. The other candidates are certainly going to hope that that's the case. You will see mailers, postcards that go out to voters to remind them of these things. I think the question will become, you know, will the voters, particularly of the east side, which is Brett Smiley's backyard, but is also often concerned about kind of ethical and honest government, will they buy the idea that, you know, being fined by the Ethics Commission is a significant problem? Or will this be, hey, it was business as usual. I, I made a, mistake, but I, we've cleaned it all up.
0: Hey, you mentioned the east side in 2014. Mayor Lawza beat former Mayor Buddy Cianci by dominating on the east side. So who wins the east side this year? And what other neighborhoods will be crucial?
1: Well, this is the story of the race. So the east side of Providence, where a significant number of votes are going to come from. Traditionally, the easiest way to win the mayor's race is to overwhelm it on the east side. We saw it from, like you said, Jorge Lorza, Angel Tavares, David Cicilline, right? Goes on and on and on. Now you have... Brett Smiley, and you have Councilwoman LaFortune who represents part of the East Side you know, in Ward 3. Right now, Brett Smiley, I think, is staking out an effort to try to run up the score, win as many votes over there as possible. I think as this race, as people start to pay more attention as it gets closer, I think of LaFortune is going to be somebody who's going to be introducing herself to voters for the first time. I think they're going to like her. And if, if they were to ever split the East Side, something like that, then that opens up the rest of the city for some like Gonzalo Cuervo. I think the other neighborhood where lots of votes come from every two or four years, there's even more, is that Federal Hill, West End area. A lot of progressive young families there. And so that's going to be a place where you've you've already seen Gonzalo Cuervo's really trying to grab those voters and hope they'll kind of propel him to victory.
0: If she's elected, of Fortune would be Providence's first female mayor and the city's first black mayor, how much will her personal story be a factor? And what are the other racial factors you'll be keeping an eye on?
1: I think that's a huge one. Nirva LaFortune is somebody who, she's got a great story to tell. She came to this country, uh, she was undocumented from Haiti. And so that matters a great deal. And, And so that story will be a factor. I think one major outstanding question in this race is the number of black voters in the city. We're always talking about the kind of white affluent voters and then Latino voters. But in this race, I do think you have a lot of folks, particularly in the north end of the city, who are, you know, from African countries and, you know, are voting maybe for the first time in their lives. That block of votes, and it's hard to say, you know, they're they all, they're, they're all not going to vote together, but I think that's going to be the one that everyone's going to be trying to grab 1,000, 2,000 votes from.
0: If you had to pre-write the primary day story today, who would you put in the lead? I mean, who do you think is ahead right now and why? It's a really good question. I
1: think by a hair, I would say Brett Spiley. I think having more money, I think he started much earlier than than everybody else. Remember, he's essentially been running for mayor since the day he dropped out of mayor in 2014 to support Jorge Alorza. So, you know, he's had a, he has a long runway for him. I would put Gonzalo, Cuervo, and of Fortune right there with him, though. I think it's any one of those three's race. I'm less convinced about Mike Solomon. He doesn't quite have the same level of energy that we saw from him eight years ago when he ran. Remember, he was the favorite for a long time eight years ago. Then Buddy got in the race, and then everything changed. He hasn't shown it just yet, but... You know, you mentioned $300,000 in the
0: campaign account. That goes a long way. So what could change in the next few months? What are the factors you plan on watching to assess this race as it moves forward? There's always the question of, does somebody get out,
1: right? We we love these ideas of crowded primaries, and you never know what can happen. Remember, you and I are talking now, we still have almost two months until people actually file to run for office. They have to go out, get their signatures. There's always the chance that somebody drops out. So that's something I think I'm paying close attention to. The other thing is, for all of the candidates, the primary comes fast. It's September 13th. You've got a really competitive Democratic gubernatorial primary, you have a really competitive congressional primary, suddenly you get really crowded out by these other high profile races. And I would argue I'm I'm biased because I really love Providence politics. I think being the mayor of Providence is one of the most important jobs in the city. But as these guys are going to make their case to voters, they need to grab an issue that will make sense and will, you know, resonate with a lot of voters. I don't know what that issue is, and
0: I'm not sure that the candidates do just yet either. All right, Dan, thanks for joining me today. Great talking to you, and I'll see you over at Mr. Lemon.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: Want to hear more from Dan? His latest column is about classical high school in Providence. Once again, it's been named the best high school in Rhode Island, but it also has a shockingly low number of students who are multi learners. Here are some other stories to check out this week in Globe, Rhode Island. Indoor prostitution was legal in Rhode Island for decades and survivors say the state was a hub of exploitation, trafficking, and abuse. My colleague Amanda Milkovitz reports that out-of-state nonprofits are lobbying to decriminalize or even legalize commercial sex, and some local politicians are listening. My colleague Alexa Gagas has a Q&A with the co-founder and CEO of Muse Interactive, the company built a mirror that gives hair and skin recommendations. For these stories and more, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. The Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Amy Padula. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from 8 p.m. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.